Welcome to the latest episode and the last one of the year of Football Thunders, brought to you by Let Us Talk for, uh, Football for Mental Health and the Proper Blokes Club. Uh, in today's show, transfer gossip, best strikers, pick, bench, sell, shithousery and more on manager. And right at the end, uh, there's a surprise that Ryan's got for us and we've no idea about this at all, do we? Hello, welcome along. Dan, how are you? Uh, people, just to let you know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and I've just got up. So yeah. if it takes me a while to get going, that's why. And and I need to explain, I'm, I, I've am i only been up an hour because I've been down with the virus in it, bruv, for uh, ages. And I'm just sort of recovering and my sleep patterns are all over the shop because I wasn't sleeping when I was ill. Hello, Ryan. How are you? He's got that evil look on his face, hasn't he? Good afternoon. <laughs> a bit worried about this. I mean, are we going to get any clues at all? Well, well, let's just say the title is So You Call Yourself an Addict and you'll wow. figure that out afterwards. Me and Ryan went out the other day to, to the O2, which is, yeah. uh, everyone knows what the O2 is, no point me explaining it. We went to Nando's afterwards and we had a little conversation about it, but he couldn't talk, he was too busy giggling, to be honest. So right. see what happens. Okay. Well, that's, that's, this is good news. This is worrying news. <laughs> this has taken a turn already. Uh, let's deal with uh, transfer gossip. I think, to, for me, the first place to start, I mean, there's all sorts of gossip flying around, and it, it is the season for the gossip. Uh, the window opens on the 1st, isn't it, on Saturday? 3rd. 3rd. It's opening on the 3rd. On Monday, yeah. One of the teams, surely, that everyone's got their eyes on, I'm wondering who the hell, how the hell, and what the hell, because they seem to have all the money. Newcastle United is top of the list at the moment because they're clearly going to be active. For me, a defence was a priority for them because they haven't got one, and I think they need a defence. The midfield is a decent Premier League midfield, is OK. Forward line with Karen Wilson wasn't bad, but Karen Wilson is now long-term injured. They've got to go out. What they do have on their side, other than tonnes of money, is something that they've used before and that has genuinely attracted players to the club. The film Goal. Across the world, footballers have seen that film. Young players have seen that film. And there are examples where that film has actually worked to, to get players to come into the club. Such as, uh, Callum, Callum Wilson said, you know, I'll sit down and watch uh, that film. And it influenced my decision. Jonas Gitter at Gugiteres, uh said last year, I used to get up to watch English football. I knew Newcastle because of the film. It's quite Sorry, a few. Can, can we have that name again? What was that? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm no good at name. that one, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Jonas Gutierrez, I think that's we're talking about. What I said, uh, Masadio Hidera. I get that one right. I watched the film oh. Goal. Uh, so there's lots of players that are saying, you know, that film, they know of Newcastle because of one film. I don't think it's going to help them that much, but I, I mean, I think they think they're already being linked with, linked with uh, Kieran, Trip, Kieran Trippier. Uh, and I think that's uh, now an already traditional link, Kieran Trippier, to Newcastle uh, for this transfer window. What do we think? How do they go about? It's going to be defence, surely. Dan? But for me, I I haven't seen a single rumour from Newcastle that I think is a genuine possibility because the names I'm seeing them linked with are like Aubameyang and Coutinho and Martial and Bubaka Kamara and Gabriel Barbosa. These aren't that, that that's a European club. I think they need to find players are uh, going to try and solidify that back four. Try someone like someone who was linked with them early on was James Tarkowski, someone like that. 
So just because, as you said, they're back for Lascelles and Kieran Clark at the back are walking mistakes. I have no idea how Kieran Clark's a Premier League player. So, yeah, I think their first thing they'd have to do is try to find some centre-backs that, that will help them out. As I said, that all the rumours you see about them, the one I saw before we come on was Wijnaldum coming back. And that, Why would you do that? Why would any top-class player want to sign for Newcastle? Who's going to want to sign uh, into a relegation dogfight? Because that's what they're in. The, the conversation I had with Ryan before was, you know, I can see them getting players that are maybe, you know, in, in France, in Italy, at that bottom end of the table that maybe have a bit of something about them. Because I don't see any players that have potential or, or class to be really good in England signing for them. I say Tarkowski because he's you know, he's getting old a bit. Burnley are in a similar kind of position. I don't see them necessarily going out and signing someone who has that aim to be in the Premier League. Because why would you want to? Because there's a fair chance they're not going to be come next season. The downside with signing players from France, Italy or wherever is there are players that take their time to settle into the Premier League. And Newcastle don't have time for players to settle into the Premier League. They're in a pretty parlous situation. And now without their top goal scorer as well, or, or their leading, their goals, the man that you would look to get the goals for them. I know he's had his injury problems, but now, I mean, this is a fairly longer-term injury, isn't it now? So I, I'm looking at the very real prospect that Newcastle will go down here, regardless of what they do in the, in the winter. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Firstly, on the Kyrian Trippier link, apparently that's a done deal. It's been reported for weeks. Apparently the contract is sorted. It just remains for Newcastle to agree a fee with Atletico Madrid. The only reason I can see him wanting to go to Newcastle, besides a big bag of cash, is to come back to England. Because any person in their right mind is not going to leave, arguably, a European elite club to go and sign for someone in the relegation zone of the Premier League. In my personal opinion... Newcastle aren't staying up. They're already down. They're already done and dusted. They can sign three or four players of the highest quality. It still won't be enough to keep them up. They need completely restructuring that entire team. I believe the appointment of Eddie Howe says to me personally that they're prepared to go down and build for next season and the season after. So I think any players that do come in will be of the mind of doing it in the championship next season to come straight back up the following season. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a pop for someone like Ben Brett and Diaz, who's out of contract at Blackburn, who's scoring goals just, at championship level. I was just going to mention him. He would be a typical, a good Newcastle signing because he's, he's, he'd come to Newcastle, he'd have the season, half season in the Premier League, and if they are relegated, he's in, his, he's in a place where he knows he can do the business. That, I think, would be a decent signing for them. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I think him, uh, Eddie and Ketia, those kind of players that maybe aren't quite, haven't got the Premier League uh, pedigree. But we've, we've seen what Eddie and Ketia can do in the Championship. He's young. So is Ren Bereton. They're both, what, 22, 23. The, the aim to bounce back. My big thing for Newcastle is just don't do what QPR did. Don't go out, um, um, buy the, the big players on big money. And then get relegated. Smart with your money, and even though, no, but even if you like QPR went down to the championship and they tried it again, didn't they? Where they signed like Nico Crankjar and all these players because they thought they would bounce back up and it didn't work. So if they do go down, they have to make sure they're buying the right players. You don't want to make that mistake where yeah, you have a squad full of six, seven superstars that shouldn't be in the championship, but if you play them all, you're you're going to fall on your fall on your face. Right, be smart, buy the right players. Ryan, 
I think just for me, as, as I said, just to reiterate a point, I think if they were going to do what Dan just suggested not to do, I think they would have gone for a bigger manager than Eddie Howe. I think they would have gone for someone with a little bit of pull that could bring in some t- bigger quality players and then tried their luck. I personally believe that they are preparing for next season in the championship. I, I, with the Eddie Howe thing, I don't think there was a manager of the stature willing to take on the club other than Eddie Howe. I don't see any manager in Europe coming to Newcastle in the current situation of where they were in the league when the takeover happened and what's ahead of them for the season. They're just You're not going to get the likes of Conte or anyone like that signing for Newcastle, uh, which is why they're not going to get the top-class players. But they're going to get... They're going to have to... As Dan said, they're going to have to be smart. Otherwise, they could end up with second-rate uh, players, uh, suppose, uh, players at the end of their careers... I mean, arguably, Kieran Trippier falls in that. Kieran Trippier—he's a good, he's a decent player, but he's not the youngest. He's thirty—he's thirty-two now, isn't he? So this is yeah. his last move, and and this move for Trippier—I don't care what anyone says. This is about money. It's not about. This is purely about getting a big payday before he finishes. So they've got to be smart because there are players out there towards the end of their careers looking for one big payday. And they don't care who that that money comes from. If it's Newcastle, they'll take it because they've got a a guaranteed contract for X millions for a couple of seasons. So they've got to be careful, Newcastle. Dan? Yeah, I mean, exactly. This this has been my point throughout the whole Newcastle debate. Players are going to go there for money and not necessarily play football. Yeah, you know, the football isn't. Look at, for instance, look at Lorenzo Insigne. He's been at Napoli for, I'm pretty sure, his whole career. He's, he's off. turning thirty, and he's off to join Toronto because they've because basically he's admitted that I, I wanted a payday. Toronto chuck money at me. I'm off to it. I'm off to America. Newcastle will chuck money at people. He's <coughs> got to make sure that when they're throwing money at people, they're not the, throwing money at the someone wrong people. who's past their best and almost their expiry date is out. Yeah. Again, like QPR did with Joey Barton and Sean Derry because they were players of Premier League pedigree. What, what, so what Dribble C say, like Newcastle can't get pulled into that same place because they won't come back up. I think, as Ryan said, I think there's likelihood now they go down and it just, they just need to make sure that... I'm not, I'm not even sure this window is the one for them. The summer window is probably the one for Newcastle. Be smart. Mm-hmm. Be surprised if Newcastle's January window is loans, and that's going to upset Newcastle fans. But listen, that's how football works. I wouldn't be surprised if January they're bringing three or four players on loans with views to deals if they stay up, blah, blah, blah. Just smart business decisions. Okay, let's look at um, Man United. The manager's had his say this week because Anthony Martial's agent said, oh, he's not staying. Ralphie, bless him, says uh, he's slammed both the player and the agent, really. He said, you know, I don't talk. If the player wants to leave, the player comes to talk to me. The player hasn't spoke to me. Has he spoken to him now? Yeah, Ragnick has spoke to Martial. All right, go on. That's it. Martial has told Ragnick that he wants to leave. That's it. And uh, Sevilla made an offer, a loan offer. Uh, Man United turned it down yesterday. So Ryan? I mean, Martial's not a loss, is he, for you, really? Let's be honest. See you later. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Mark Joe and his agent jumping up and down, and I, I, but I think Ralph, the, the, the managers handled it pretty well and said, look, if you want to leave, you need to come and talk to me. The player needs to come and talk to me. Has, I don't talk to agents, has, so, and he yeah. has done that. Yeah, but that's 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 a message for the likes of Pogba as well, isn't it? You know, if you want to go, you need to come and talk to me and tell me. 
Well, Pogba's going to go anyway because he's out of contract. Yeah, I know. Season. So that's yeah, that's so, not really quite the same thing. But well, no, it is. But Marshall's out at the end of the season as well, isn't he? No, he's not. No, he's still on the contract. Yeah, Marshall. But Pogba might want to go in January. Is what I'm. Pogba's gone very quiet, so I'm assuming he's just been just playing the professional because he told uh, his agent was it Raiola? He told mm-hmm. him shut up, pipe down. I think Pogba's just going to sit sit quietly and then walk in the summer. Fine. There's there's a very key reason why Paul Pogba won't be going in January and will go at the summer is because if he asks to leave in January, he forfeits his loyalty bonus, which I believe <laughs> is about eight million pounds. So if he asks to go before his contract's up, he loses eight million quid. What's the point? Let's look at uh, Borussia Dortmund did rumours are in the build uh, that they're trying to put the deal to persuade Erling Haaland to stay with them. Do you think they've got any chance of that, or do you think he's off and going somewhere in the summer? He's gone in the summer. He's not gone in January. No, he'll go in the summer. They've, released, there's that release clause. In Ryan said it last summer when we discussed this in the summer. He's got a release clause which more or less halves what he's worth. He's going to be going for 60, 70 million pounds. I think it's something silly like 67 million pounds. So teams will wait. No one's going to spend money on him now. Let's go through the clubs sort of one by one. Arsenal. One, sorry, just before we do that, the one that is continually to tickle me, I don't know if anyone's following it, uh-huh. Usman Dembele at Barcelona. Yeah, go on. He's single-handedly pulling Barcelona's pants down. It, that, but he's, he talks have broken down and he's he's free in the summer, isn't he? Is that right? But he this this is a player that had a, was fantastic for Dortmund. Has gone to Barcelona, has played awful, can't yeah. stay fit. Has had half a good season this year. He's done quite well in a, in a really in a struggle in Barcelona side. Sounds like a Newcastle player to me. And he has everyone is going on about how Barcelona are desperate to keep him, but he'll only sign on his terms. If I'm Barcelona, I'll say, well, you've been here five years. You've, you've shown done... up for half of them. Yeah. There's a door. See you later. Because I've seen uh, I've seen Everton linked with him, Newcastle linked with him, Tottenham linked with him. And this makes me think, when you look at that quality of side that are after him, Barcelona are struggling here. Yeah. That shows so, the fall of Barcelona. Those, those, those three names you just mentioned tell you at the level that he's going to go. He's not going to go to Real Madrid. He's not going to go to Paris Saint-Germain. He's going to go to a lesser league club, isn't he? Yeah, Clearly. exactly. Because he's, although his talent's there, he looks like he has a lot of. He's been said to have, I don't know what the right term is, behaviour issues, whatever you want to say. Like he's maybe not the best professional, supposedly. Um, so, and also injuries. Barcelona, if he's saying to Barcelona, I'm, you have to give me this, 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 and this, or I'm leaving. If I'm Barcelona, I'm saying, all right, off you go. While we're on Barcelona, the other one that made me laugh is that Barcelona are uh, in advanced talks with Alvaro Morata. Right. I mean, I know their strike force is, is, isn't great, but is Maratta? If he's the answer, what's the question? I'm not sure. <laughs> so, let's turn our attention back to the UK uh, and England specifically. Arsenal, are we looking at them? What are they now? I mean, Aubameyang, I mean, he's he looks like a busted flash at Arsenal now. Stripped to the captaincy. Go on, Dan. Uh, I think again. I think I don't think anyone's going to pay for him this 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 part because he's on a huge wage. He's on a huge wage. Is he not a prime tank candidate then for uh, Newcastle? Well, the thing is, it's a possibility. However, you look how much money he's on, the length of his contract. Arsenal aren't going to want to let him go. You know, I think cheaply. I don't know how long his contract is. Is it till next year? 
So teams could just wait for... Yeah, but, uh, and I'll bring up Newcastle again. They can't afford to wait, can they? As I said... It's not back, a sensible deal for them, is it, really? Well, not even in, in... So looking at what you know from Aubameyang, the issues that Arsenal have had. One, it's not financial. It doesn't make much sense. Two, would you want someone in your building that has been kicked out of his previous club? Well, the thing is... Depends how desperate you are to, to if you are desperate to stay in the Premier League this season, then maybe that's a deal you try and look to do. Callum Wilson, going back to what I said about them being doing smart business, that's not smart business. You're bringing in someone who has off-field problems. Clearly, the dress. I and I, I, I say it. I don't know if it's true because I'm not in the changing room. But I don't. I find it not a coincidence that Arsenal's form changed when Arteta had the bollocks to throw Aubameyang out. Arsenal then have been on an amazing run since. Yeah. What I'm speaking, but the thing is with Newcastle is uh, the owners, they're not the most experienced football people. Ryan. Just going back to the Obama Yang thing, I wouldn't be surprised to see him rock up at Barcelona for a nominal fee. It's been <laughs> rumoured a lot. It's really? It's been rumoured a lot. They have signed Ferran Torres for January, but he's, I think, one more for the long term. I think they're looking at for an experienced short-term striker. And Abame <laughs> Yang's got history from, I think it was at Borussia Dortmund, and they had issues with him turning up late and rocking up okay. late. But they weren't as strict about it as Mikel Arteta's been. So I think on the continent, they're a bit more flexible to oh. it. He was actually seen in Barcelona recently, quote, to see his unwell mother and to get a tattoo. Uh, I just find it a little bit coincidental that he's also been linked with Barcelona and then rocks up in the city to get a tattoo and see his mum. No tattoo shops in North London. I thought there's plenty of tattoo shops in North London and reputable ones. Uh, okay, Arsenal. Are they look? Uh, anyone coming in for Arsenal that you can see? Not really. I think they. I think Arteta builds his squad quite particular, uh, and they, and they're on a good form. The one thing I'd say is, could they look look at a striker, but. I think that might be a summer thing when they get rid of Nketiah and, and the Bamiyang moves on. So I think maybe not this window. And they've got some youngsters doing starting. Uh, Martinelli's coming through and, and, and scoring goals, isn't he? I've had him on FM on loan. Very good. Have a bit of FM. <laughs> got to keep him uh, fit, though. Yeah. yeah. That's the key. Um, Aston Villa. Let's look at Villa. I don't, uh, I don't know if they can afford to do much. They, they Didn't they blow the great Grealish money in the summer? Um. January's a terrible time to be doing business, isn't it, really? It's not the best transfer window. It's not... Um, it's Anyone that does a lot of business, it strikes me as a bit of panic going on. Do we agree? Yeah, I think also clubs don't want to sell mid-year. Like a lot of the managers argue, don't they, that there shouldn't be a window in January. It's difficult to... to, to put, clubs want more money. It's, it's during the season, you know, you've got your squad ready, so... It's very difficult to do business. And often, as you said, the teams that do the business in January are the ones that are in, in trouble. trouble or are, you know, underperforming. Ryan? Either that or they've been working on a deal for a long time okay. and they've been trying to push it through because we yeah, did yeah. it with Fernandez. Uh, Fernandez. We worked on that deal for about a year. But and it was a only... fiery call as well. Yeah. Uh, Sheringham? But, yeah, arguably we are not in a great place at the moment, Manchester United. But I can't see us going out and spending money considering Ralph Ranyuk is only going to be in the job till the end of the season so, and then yeah. is moving elsewhere. It seems pointless to me to say, right, go and sign players you want who are then probably going to not be wanted by another manager in the summer. It <coughs> makes no sense. The team I'm intrigued to see if they do much will be Tottenham. 
Conte will want to have put his stamp start yeah, to Con- put his stamp on, won't he? This is a Conte who, you know, left into Milan because he said, like, you're not going to give me money to build a team. So <laughs> and he signed for Tottenham, really? So I'm assuming he's gone to Tottenham and they've said to him, listen, here's the money because why else would he go there? Yeah. So I'm assuming, it's... plus Tottenham, they need to bolster their squad. Like, as much as he's turned them around, and I still think, that, and I think they're genuinely, Tottenham are one of the contenders for that fourth place now. I still think that they need to improve their defence. Their centre backs stink, and they still need a backup for Kane. Tottenham but, worry me because apparently there's rumours coming out of White Hart Lane and Old Trafford that they've got a very big interest in Dean Henderson to replace Hugo Lloris. Yes, I saw that. Yes, I'm not happy about that because I'm a big Dean Henderson fan. I want him to stay at my club. However, if he would like to sign Anthony Martial and work his magic on him and see if he can get a tune out uh, of him, be my well, guest. We'll take the cash. <laughs> With regard to Henderson, Ragnick has apparently has met with him and said, you're not going anywhere in this window. Henderson wants to leave, doesn't he? Because he wants yeah. to play. I don't, he wants to play. No, he wants to play for loan. England. Yeah, he, he, so he asked to go out on loan. If Newcastle have got any sense, they would chuck a six-month loan deal at Man United for Henderson. Yeah. Couldn't Make disagree with that. Complete sense. But uh, I think that, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, but if I was Henderson, I'd be very wary to do that unless they've got uh, unless they build a get signed two or three defenders in front of him because otherwise Henderson, he's going to be he's going to have a sore, he's going to have a sore back picking the ball out of the back of the net every five, every two minutes. Henderson Henderson goes to New. I wouldn't go to Henderson if I was Henderson. I wouldn't go near no, Newcastle. Go near, near, the near defense Newcastle. in front of you is fucking awful. He played for Sheffield United. Yeah, they had the, yeah, the season he played. The season, the, the season he played for Sheffield United, they had a half decent. They had a half decent. No, they had a good system. But if you look yeah. player for player, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the quality of player that Sheffield United had as defenders, they're not that much different to what Newcastle have. Yes, got. but they had a system and they were successful. Yeah. And they but were... at the end of the day, game time is game time. It's no, the one it's thing not. he's not. No, no, it no, is, no. Because it's the one no, thing he's not. not getting. No, not for a goalkeeper. Game time when you're getting beaten every week is not game time that you want. I, I, I wouldn't go to Newcastle. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to a club hey, where you're going to be picking the ball out of your net every five. Let minutes. me make. Let me just make this argument for you. For that argument, then Sam Johnston. He was amazing for West Brom. Everyone was raving about him and he still went down. He was in the England squad and everything. He still went down. Game time is game time. And if you're playing out of your skin, whether you're in a bad team or a good team, you need to be playing games. You need to be playing games, but I would argue you don't need to be playing them at Newcastle if you're trying to get in the England squad. Seriously. For Go- and Anderson. also, goalkeepers, it takes one bad year or yep. one bad pass. And your, your reputation is buggered. And your, your reputation's done. Like Jordan Pickford, <clears throat> as much as I'm not his biggest fan, he had one really bad year and now he, everyone says he's the worst England keeper we've got. As much as he wouldn't be my England number one, I, would, I don't think he's terrible. I mean, I've, yeah, I've seen decent keepers who've had a bad season or a couple of bad games here and there and their reputation has been destroyed. And uh, it's, the, it's the one position where it's really very difficult. It's very, very hard to recover your reputation. And I wouldn't, if I was Dean Henderson, want to get myself anywhere near Newcastle. However... Speaking of Dean Henderson, as as Ryan said, if Tottenham did call me and say, "Hey, you want to come here?" I would run over there. Yeah, because Hugo Lloris is poo, and you know Tottenham are going to side that you, if you ignore, you have Eric Dier in your back five. Um, has the potential to be a, a you know a top side. He'll still be in Europe. I'm sorry, didn't didn't and Conte say that Dier is going to be one of the best defenders ever? 
Yeah, but I think maybe he was on mushrooms or something during. I think time. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to blow smoke up Dyer's ass just to see if he can get him playing some sort of level of football. That's all he's after doing there. Something I, needs I, to I move him. I don't think he genuinely believes that. Uh, if he does, then uh, Tottenham are in a in a world of shite. I'm interested to see if Chelsea are going to do anything because they've been hit hard by COVID. They've had injuries. Souls come in. <laughs> And has not been a very good sign. And he, I could see him leaving in January. Uh, and obviously Lukaku started and then got COVID and injured. So it'd be interesting to see if they even sign someone on a loan just to cover their back. Someone like a Wijnaldum that Dan just said to plug the holes in their midfield. They, um, they, they, it sounds like they're going to be doing business for left back. Uh, on, because cover. Ben Chilwell's out till, it sounds like, this time next year. So oh, that's they nice have thing. no faith in Alonso. No, why would you? <laughs> they could always recall Emerson, I suppose. Um, I mean, Ian Martin's there. He's better than Emerson. Okay, uh, some some stuff that is... Uh, there are um, Man United and others are looking at uh, Rafinha at Leeds United. What do we make of that, that rumour? I can't imagine Leeds wanting to sell him. He's the only player that they've got that's half decent so and fit. Leeds, they asked the Leeds director of football about Rafinha, mm. and he said... I can't remember the exact quote, but it was along the lines of sometimes you have to sell your best players to keep building your club. So, which, which hints to me that either there's a done deal or that they're very alert to the fact that teams are around Rafina and are going to sell Liverpool were heavily linked to him, United as well. How so, long's Phillips I, out for at, at, I uh, at not Leeds? Got a clue. I didn't know he was injured. So. <coughs> He's been injured for a while, hasn't I, he? But he's I don't a watch player. Leeds. I find Leeds. Boring as hell. But Marcelo he's a Bielsa player, a current Indian international, and he's a player that would, would look good in a better Premier League side, I would yeah, argue. But I think the same for Rafina. And when, and when um, you know, the, the director of football's coming out making that quote, as I said, for me, there's either a deal done already or... He's preparing the ground, isn't he? He's for preparing. You don't come out and say, like, sometimes you have to sell your best player to, to keep the club where they are. To me, that sounds like, as I said, Rafinha's got a deal already, or there's one very close to being done. Yeah, okay. Um, I was just going to say, sorry, I was just going to quickly say on Leeds, I think there's going to be big changes in the summer. So I think they might be prepared to sacrifice him in the summer, not now, uh, because I think Bielsa's probably going to be out of the door come come the summer. I think he needs to be. Do you think he's uh, he's, he's, he's had his day at Leeds? Is that... I think his... his Style worked to get them up. It took him a while to, to, to get it all done and get <coughs> up. Yeah. But we, we talked, was it last week, Dan? I think it was, or maybe the week before. We talked, he's just burnt out that entire lead squad now. They've yeah. got no energy left. They're getting injury after injury now. And the only thing that's going to change that is a change in manager. They, okay. They, and uh, as Ryan said, like they burnt, it's, but he's burnt the squad out. He's had the same squad barring a handful of players for three seasons. The, he's known for his, you know, his harsh training methods. Uh, and a lot of them have had internationals and, and have been away with U- European countries or South American countries for Copa Americas, Euros, etc. Yeah. World Cup qualifications. They've not had a break. The team's knackered. They look dead on their feet. They're getting smashed about by all the big sides because they just don't have the energy to stick this with them. This is history repeating itself with them because in, in their early seasons under Bielsa, they would look great for half a season and then they would look dead on their feet for the rest of the season. The only season where they didn't is the season they went up and then the and season COVID. in the Premier League. That, so, that, the, re- the year they went up was COVID and I'm convinced that COVID break, break. was the reason they went up. 
Okay. The year before, as you rightly said, they, they had two years where they were fantastic and the squad died off towards the end of Any the year. Any final transfer rumours that we think? Anything outrageous out there? Is anything outrageous going to happen? It, it doesn't normally. I mean, I'm, I, there have been the odd one. I mean, I remember uh, Torres going to Chelsea. I mean, every, uh, Chelsea paying an absolute fortune for Torres in, in the January window and wasting spunking God knows how many millions on that that transfer is there a deal waiting to be done that we don't know about that that, that might come out and surprise us all do you think I, I, I don't think in England I think I think Barcelona are going to be busy you know with their bullshit that we've discussed previously and they've they've made one signing already haven't they um, it looks well, yeah they've made one in Torres it looks like they're about to sign Morata so let's not, let's not go back into the finances of how the fuck they've managed to do that again they have we've... a Right, all I will quickly say on the Barcelona situation is I can tell you exactly how they've done that. They've taken out a 600 million euro loan from Goldman Sachs to pay off existing loan payments and improve the squad. And they've then, on top of that, taken out another 1.5 billion euro loan to upgrade the new camp because it's falling apart. So that's how they've done that. Well, I tell you what, Goldman Sachs. I, I hope Goldman Sachs have got a nice executive box at the, at the new camp because Jesus. Wept. There is well, a concern between because obviously part of Barcelona is fan owned because of the structure that they have. There is a concern that if they don't get after this bout of loans, if they don't get the finances under control, then Goldman and Sachs are basically going to end up owning Barcelona. They've it's showed precious thing. little ability to keep their finances under control up till now, have they? So well, I would fair fair bet that Goldman Sachs have got a nice asset it coming was interesting. their way. Just after it was announced that they'd got this loan, Barcelona released their annual debt money, uh, yeah, accounts, their accounts, and their debt has now reached one point two billion pounds. Nah, that's just wrong. How were you a football club still? How are you pass- before the loan that they've taken how, out? How are they passing any sort of financial fair play in any way, shape, or for form? Sorry, it's just that they're, they're well, making they've a just nonsense. Got an income of whatever Ryan said. Yeah, it's that's just nonsense. It's uh, I'll I'll use one word to sum it up: abs bollocks. Bollocks. Sorry, yeah, Dan. What was that figure you just said? One point two billion pounds. Right. That will then be an would have been the figures before they got the loan for Goldman and Sachs. So you've got to add another 2.1 billion on top of that. Jesus. So you're looking about 3.3 billion pounds. Oh, and the reason God. they get away with financial fair play is because at the moment they're not buying players or spending mass amounts on wages yeah, because they simply can't afford to. All, and it's all the income. players they've got are youth products now. Yeah. And all the, and you've got to remember that every, even if it's, if it's a loan and a debt, on the FFP scale, they've just brought five hundred million pounds into the club. It doesn't matter how it's gone into the club, but they've right. just had five hundred million pounds. Again, the I'll say the word I used a moment ago: bollocks. Total bollocks. Uh, let's uh, let's knock the uh, transfers on the head now, and let's uh, now the best strikers. Here we go, best strikers. Now, listen, I'm going. I'm obviously. I think I should go first because I've only got Anne for pre-war. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 not pre-war. And, and I've got uh, to when say, when I were a lad, I watched this. Listen, play. right. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to find Cruyff, Maradona, Messi, uh, Totti, George Best, Ronaldo. Um, I'm, 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 uh, I'm sticking with strikers. Bergkamp was an incredible player, but like Totti, he was he was a forward, and I'm not having that. So it's my definition of a striker. And I'll start. And Ryan, you'll like this one. 
But you, I'm going to back up with stats. But this one, players that I've seen, watched, and that I liked, not necessarily the greatest strikers in the world, but I'd argue they're close. Dennis Law. Yep. Can't argue right. with that. Manchester United. Um, 485 games in his career from Huddersfield, Man United, and I think he was in Italy briefly. Uh, at Man City as well. Uh, yeah, Man. He's got. Well, here we go. This is this is my this is my thing about a striker. A striker is ruthless. Doesn't matter who he's playing against, he will score the goal that's needed. Uh, Dennis Law scored the goal that condemned Manchester United to relegation in 1974 with a cheeky back back heel flick. Uh, Ryan doesn't want to hear this, so he's left the room. Have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but he scored goals. He actually scored six goals in a game uh, for Huddersfield Town, and the game was abandoned, and they were all chalked off. That happened. Uh, in his in his uh, league career, his uh, his international career, he only had fifty five caps. In those fifty five caps for Scotland, he scored thirty seven goals. Uh, not bad. Um, players that I admire. Another one that I really like. Uh, former um, and I've mentioned it before on the pod. Uh, former uh, Olympic Marseille player, French striker, Jean Pierre Papin. Uh, 438 games for, uh, in France and 228 goals, 54 caps, 30 goals. Uh, but I'm, I'm, uh, I've also I've, I've stuck in here Pelé. I've got to have Pelé in there. He played 636 games, most of them for Santos, a few for New York Cosmos. In those 638 games, he scored 618 goals. Uh, in his international career, 92 games, 77 goals. Uh, not bad. But for me, uh, the deadliest striker I ever saw, uh, and uh, sadly passed away earlier this year, Gerd Muller, uh, de Bomber. Um, he scored... <laughs> he played for Bayern Munich uh, and a couple of other clubs, but mainly Bayern Munich. 453 games... He scored 398 goals for in, in Germany. His international record for West Germany, he played 62 games and scored 68 goals. The man was an utter goal machine. Uh, uh, and and to, to watch him, he, he did... So at 1970 World Cup, England, West Germany, uh, Gerd Muller was the man... Anything in the six-yard box, he was absolutely lethal, absolutely lethal. Uh, Gerd Muller is my uh, is, is my greatest striker of all time, as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to give. <laughs> I did make just yes, Dan. Sorry, no Marcus Ben. No. Oh, okay. Or Franny Jeffers. Ah, oh, shame. Box the box. <laughs> now, from from a Charlton point of view, uh, the stats are quite clear who the greatest striker at Charlton is. It's probably. Uh, someone, Derek Hales or someone like that. But for me, the best I saw at Charlton, uh, and, and I'm afraid injury curtailed his career at Charlton, scored one of the best hat-tricks I have ever seen. Uh, and, and in one of the most precious situations. Clive Mendonca was a pure out-and-out striker. Out and, out, and, and when, if you look at his three, his three goals in the playoff final, I don't. there's not many other strikers around that would have taken those three goals. Uh, but for injury, he'd have been a much better player, I think. 
And uh, if he'd have got Charlton a few years earlier, who knows? But that's just my favourite Charlton, and I'll put that one in there. And that's purely for um, for pick bench sell later on when Ryan's going to throw <laughs> it out back against me. So those are my players. Uh, I mean, I, I love some of the strikers around today. But for me, I don't care about his build-up play. I couldn't give a toss if a, a striker uh, c can't kick a ball to save his life. What I want is someone that will do damage in the uh, six-yard box. And the ultimate, as far as I'm concerned, and will never be beaten, is Gerd Muller. Over to you, boys, and uh, let's talk bollocks. I mean, let's talk. Right, first one. First one. <laughs> there's no argument. Oh, there's no argument with mine. Hold on. No, I don't care about yours. I, I, it was pre-war. I don't know. I went around. You were. Yeah. Um, first one, no arguments. Uh, big Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo. Move on. No fat arguments. bloke, fat bloke. Yeah, definitely. And his record is unreal. Go on. In every team he plays, throw for. some stats on me. Cruzeiro, twelve in fourteen. PSV, forty-two in forty-six. Barcelona, thirty-four in thirty-seven. Inter Milan, forty-nine in sixty-eight. Real Madrid, eighty-three in one hundred and twenty. And Corinthians, eighteen in thirty-one. And sixty-two in ninety-eight games for Brazil. Goal scorer, what a player! <laughs> Just un an unreal footballer. Unreal. The, are, are we saying he's the best Ronaldo ever? I I have a, I mean, probably not overall. I think, I think to, so because no, of, uh, no. when you look at internationally. But uh, I mean, Cristiano record internationally is equally as good. Yeah, he's, he hasn't won that much. He's, he's won the two top Euros. Goal scorer of all time. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. two Euros. He's my favourite striker of all time. I won't say he's the best, but he's my favourite. Right. Can I also say, I've also got another one that isn't on the list, but I'd just like to say um, a, a striker I think is criminally underrated because of his the way he played. was, And he's not on the list, so I'm not comparing him to the list of the names we're going to say. Jermaine Defoe. Yep, I'll, I'll give you that. If I want a striker to sit in the box and just score, yep, I'm, I'm considering you. Jermaine Defoe. Obviously, he's not at the level of... no. Anyone that's on this list, I've no. got a list of about 10 players and he, he doesn't come close to any of them. But if you were just talking about someone who's going to sit in the box and score you goals, I'm having Jermaine Defoe. In his prime, you're signing him, aren't you? Oh, hell yeah. If Especially you're... if you're Harry Redknapp. No, I I would say I, I'm amazed. Anywhere, anywhere. I'm amazed. He could have played at any club in the UK, in England and he would have been a success. Yeah, I, I give. I, I don't think there's a club. I, I don't. I, I think he wouldn't have looked at a place at Man United without a shadow. He would have. He would have got hundreds. Of, he would have scored. He would have been a hero at Man United. He would have been a legend had he gone to Man United. They just didn't. It's a good thing. Again, it's one of those things. But United didn't need him because they already had some fucking exactly. strikers. But if he. But if Ferguson did him, like him because Ferguson used to ask after him quite a lot. Whenever he spoke to Harry Redknapp, Ferguson would ask him about how the, the boy Defoe was go, getting on. So Ferguson had an interest and knew the talent was there. But as you said, Fer, uh, Man United had had uh, strikers. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, and and <laughs> uh, I would put, I'd say Defoe's better than Michael Owen every day of the week. Oh, it's not on my list. Ooh, they, no, Owen wouldn't get anywhere near my list, but I think I actually have to agree with Pete on the Defoe versus Owen debate. Uh, Owen it's not a debate had, to be had. Had a fantastic start to his career, but very quickly his career petered out to be nothing more than an average player. So, <laughs> I, I, oh, I think injuries yeah, in, in, injuries buggered him, but for, I think wherever Defoe's gone, he's scored goals. Uh, pretty much uh, up until the latter part of his career, when he's an old man, he's just playing he's for the money. Yeah, he's, he's still, still doing, doing it, it for Rangers, but but 
Uh, and, and, and good luck to him. He's gone to Scotland, and I don't blame him for going to Scotland because he's extended his career. He should normally be washed up and finished by now. I thought he'd gone, but now he's at Rangers. He's unbelievably fit, though, Jermaine Defoe. That's but I, I, I argue, had he gone to a top top notch side, I just think he made some bad moves in terms of. Uh, he followed had, Harry. That was his biggest problem. Well, there's a there's a load of players that followed Harry. Crankjar was another one that followed Harry. Uh, Odd and Wingy tried to and ended up in the car park getting cold. I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, who else have you got, Dan? But Defoe is, yeah, uh, Defoe is one of the greatest Premier League strikers of his generation, without a shadow of a doubt. So you mentioned Bergkamp. Um, so we'll start there. I think it's impossible. We, we, me and Ryan kind of loosely touched upon this subject <laughs> last week about players that we think would come up. So Bergkamp and Henri, we talked about for about 10 minutes in the last podcast. So we don't have to spend 10 minutes talking about them again in this podcast, but... Great footballers. And what, yep. Ryan made the point that Henri was a striker when he came to Arsenal first. Um, he was a left winger. And then now he's then no, now he's looked at as kind of the man that made the modern day striker in many ways, as yeah. Ryan pointed out. Um, I have then three Man United strikers in a row. Rooney, Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie. Uh, all three of them are, are were, were, none of them are playing anymore. Fantastic strikers. No. I loved Van Nistelrooy. I absolutely. I I uh, I um, I think I know Rooney had a very successful career, but I think and uh, there is an element that he was a little bit lazy, in terms of I don't think he trained it as when we've touched on this before. I don't think he made the best of his talent. I think there was more to come from Rooney, and that's just down to work. I think um, Van Nistelrooy. I mean, Man United were going to sign him, and then he did his knee in, and Fergie kept throwing him up and saying, don't worry, son, we're waiting, we're waiting. Uh, Fergie knew, and Van Nistelrooy, to me, was amazing. Uh, and, 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 and you can see how much the opposition hated Van Nistelrooy, because when you see how Keown reacted to Van Nistelrooy in that game, uh, that tells you tells you how scared Arsenal were of Van Nistelrooy. Uh, yeah, Van Nistelrooy, I, I I thought was a brilliant, brilliant player for Man U. A brilliant there's an, there's player. A, there's an interview with him where they said, if you had to play for another team in England, who would you play for? And he said Charlton. <laughs> yeah. 95 goals in 150 True. appearances. Mm. I think that's money I well paid. Charlton now. Isn't he coach at Madrid or somewhere now? No, he's a direct sporting director at PSV or somewhere like he that. He is a Charlton yeah. fan, though. He is a Charlton fan. Well, we've well, we I mean, always made, had that. He made a comment about playing for Charlton, so that He's, no, yeah, he, he has asked and he clarified it. He has clarified that in I England. Had, uh, I read the interview not long ago. Actually, it was a few weeks back. They said to him, "If you had to play for another team in England," he said, oh, "I'd want to play for Charlton," and he didn't explain why. So I was like, "Okay, I'll take we'll that." Take it. Yeah. <laughs> Who else have you got, Dan? Um, Messi, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Alan Shearer, goals. Goals, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and not just tappings with Shearer. He'll do it with the head. He'll do it from outside the box. Um, I like Shearer. Selfish, greedy bastard. Uh, that's what you need to be if you're a striker. Greedy bastard. One of my other favourites that doesn't get mentioned often is German forward, well, Polish forward, played for German. Mm. Uh, Miroslav Close. Yep. Uh, another just goal machine. 70, game, 70 goals and I think 120 caps for Germany. Uh, most of his goals were scored at 
Kaiser Stout and Werder Bremen compared to Bayern Munich. He did all right at Bayern Munich. Injuries didn't it towards the back. Isn't he got the most goals in World Cup football as well, isn't he? Podolski. He's just been passed. He's just been passed, but he had that record. But he was, the record was, yeah, he scored an absolute ton. And I remember, I want to say the 2000, and, they won the 2010 World Cup, but I think it was the World Cup before that, 06. He just terrorised everyone. And you knew coming back to 2010, it's, it's going to be Miroslav Klose. <laughs> yeah. Who and else you got? Sadly for him, he didn't make the list. Um, <clears throat> I think, so the next one is Raul from Real Madrid. Oh, I liked him. Uh, Champions League. I think he's, Messi's just overtaken him, but he was the most, the lean goal scorer of the Champions League. See, I'm have him, see I have him done as a forward more than no, a striker. he was a but, goal scorer. But the, yeah, no, no. Boy. He was, I, I loved the way he played. I loved watching him play. I think he was just a joy to watch. Carry on. Yep, go on. Uh, then I've got. So I wanted to put Shevchenko because his form at Milan was, <clears throat> his record at Milan was incredible. However, Chelsea was a you know, it, it didn't it didn't go well for him, did it? <laughs> Chelsea, mm. he he, uh, he had a few issues, bless him. No, and that's the re- it's actually a similar reason to why uh, Fernando Torres doesn't make my list because you could argue during his time at Liverpool, Fernando Torres was amazing, but when he got to Chelsea, chat to bed. And I've got two more. Uh, Hernan Crespo. Again, that's another one, though, isn't it? Amazing in Italy, but rubbish in the Premier but League. Yeah, but if you take out his Chelsea spell, even then his Chelsea spell is 20 goals in 48 games. That's not woeful. No, it's not. But um, compared, it's not what you'd compared, expect. Yeah, compared to what he did at Inter Milan, Lazio and Parma, fair enough. But even for Argentina, scored once every two games. And then uh, the last one, I've just deleted, you know what? I've just deleted my list and I can't remember who the last one was. Right. Well, shall I take over then as you've just deleted yourself? <laughs> I just closed the list and I can't remember who the last one was. Right. Well, you've knocked off a lot of mine, uh, I've got to say. So that's how I narrowed oh, it down quite sorry. nicely. Go on. I've just remembered Sergio Aguero. There you go. Thank you very right. much. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> think Sergio Aguero is vastly underappreciated Hell in yeah. terms of his Premier League career. He's been one of arguably the best strikers we've ever had. He's, in my opinion, he's, he's up there with the likes of Shearer mm. and everyone else as a goal scorer. He, I do want to quickly touch on Ruud van Nistelrooy again, though, because I think had Ruud van Nistelrooy been a Manchester United longer, I think he probably would have got... He probably he had the potential to beat Alan Shearer's goal-scoring record, I think. Mm. Yeah, and Aguero, going back to Aguero, the other thing that is amazing about Sergio Aguero is he missed basically a third of every season he played in the Premier League. Yeah. And the... <laughs> And the amount of goals he got for basically playing two thirds every uh, every year it's incredible. Imagine what he's like if he had four seasons. Unreal. Yeah. Right, like Pete, you've got to differ between forwards and goal scorers. So it's forwards and strikers. However, I do have a fondness for what were known then as second strikers. Not necessarily number tens, but they came off of the striker. Place. Still scored goals as well. Emil Heskey. No. I'll, I'll take your Emil Heskey and I'll show. I'll raise you Peter Beardsley. You right. talk to Gary Lineker about Beardsley. Let's let's move away from that one. Obviously, the big one second striker was Eric Cantona. We've discussed before what he did for Manchester United. There is one player I want to give a very special mention to because he gets overlooked a lot because Dennis Bergkamp arrived in the Premier League around the same time. Carl Lieburn. <laughs> no. That was Gianfranco Zola. This guy was about five foot five, but was an absolute magician. 
He had such a low center of gravity. You could not knock him off the ball. He had the pace, the poise. He was such an elegant football player. He didn't score as many goals as some of the others, but I love Jan Franco Zola. I wish he'd signed for Man United. I really did. Two others also in that mold. Roberto Baggio. I think Pete will yeah. know this one more than Dan. I don't think you can argue with Baggio's history, and he was no. a hell of a player to watch. And his eventual successor at Juventus, which was Alessandro Del Piero. Oh. He was a player and oh. He really was. Oh. His free kicks with a in between him and Beckham, there was just no contest. It yeah. really wasn't. It was just like I could sit and just watch a like a free kick shoot off between those two all day. But he was such a skillful and elegant player for can, Juve as well. Can I just throw another name in? Go on. Gabriela Batistuta. I thought you were going to say a I'm going to get to him in a minute. I loved him. I really thought you were going to say a Bonglahor for a minute. I'd no. like to cry. No, why would I say a Bonglahor? <laughs> we will get, no, we will get to no. Batistuta in a minute. Batty Gold's um, got to be in there somewhere, surely. Romario is obviously another one oh, yeah, who's a legend who speaks for himself. Ah, with um, Bebeto played alongside him, the two of those mm. two, those two together should have won the 94 World okay. Cup, but they didn't. Another um, personal favourite of mine, you may have heard of, you may not have, I think Pete probably will have, is Marcelo Salas, who used to play for Juventus. Yes. He was yes. very similar to Carlos Tevez. He was like a million yeah. miles an hour, really rough, really ready. Yeah. But boy, could he score goals. Crespo, uh, Hernan Crespo, is he in I there? Dan he brought a, him up. Brought, yep. All right. That's when I nipped out of the room briefly, sorry. Christian Vieri as well. Ooh. Hell of a big unit he was. He was a big old player. Basically, it, uh, Italy strike force in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> Can I throw another Italian that I really liked in? Go on. Uh, from the uh, early, mid-90s. Giuseppe Signori. Giuseppe yes. Rossi. But more no, no. forward than a striker. Giuseppe Signori, no, 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 not Giuseppe Rossi, no, no, no. Giuseppe Signori at Lazio. Yeah, he um, was very good. Since then, been done for match fixing. But I, I saw an interview <laughs> with him. But uh, he's a hell of a, hell of a player, though. Good score yeah. goals, just for fun. Roberto yeah. Mancini was a very similar player to Signori as well. So I wouldn't give him that one. I showed Dan a goal last week. Go on. Um, yes. That is on our Twitter page, I believe. If Dan, did you post it up? No, but I can do. Was of uh, Monsieur George Weyer. His time oh, at AC oh, Milan oh, yeah. was on. There's a goal that we talked about last week where this he took he on. Ran, he took the whole team yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, received yeah. the ball on the edge of his own yeah, penalty yeah, box, yeah, took yeah, the whole yeah. team on, and then very yeah, yeah. coolly, very calmly, just slided it beside the goalkeeper once he'd finished. Allegedly, uh, he had a relative who wasn't that good. Yes. Yeah, his son is playing now. Um, no, no, the one who played uh, allegedly a relative who played for Southampton under for about know, 20 minutes. I, I, know, I was just making a joke. Oh, yeah, all oh, right, okay. Has he, got, <laughs> has he got a son? Carry Timothy on. Timothy Weyer played for PSG. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go on. Second from last is David Villa, formerly of Barcelona. Mm. I think he was at Valencia as well. Yes, he was a goal machine. And finally, a player that Pete's already brought up who's arguably my favourite striker of all time ever. Being a young lad watching Italian football in the early 90s, Gabriel Battistuta was an absolute goal machine. Fiorentina? Yes. He went on, I think, briefly to play for Roma and Inter afterwards, but he he wasn't as good. And he was banging in goals at a time where the defending and the dark hearts that is linked (laughs) to Italian football was at its peak. So, it was so oh, difficult uh, whoa, to get whoa, into whoa. double figures whoa, during whoa, the 90s. Whoa, 
Whoa, I smell bullshit there. I, I call bullshit yeah. there because I've got to tell you, when my players like Gerd Muller in the 70s, I t- you have seen nothing. Of, you've seen nothing of defending and dark arts. What you're talking about was they were... They were they were mimicking what went on in the sixties and seventies when the dark arts and the early eighties when the dark arts were not just dark arts they were out there in your face. Go and watch Diego Maradona playing for Barcelona. Watch him get kicked all over the pitch. Go and watch the likes of Emiliano Botticino playing for Real Madrid and the defenders that the play defenders like Barcelona, Real Madrid, and the Italian defenders to a man. Rather than kick the ball, would kick the striker. See how I, I, I tell you the dark arts. There was no dark arts about it back in those days. It, it, back in those days, it was all out war on the on the on the strikers' ankles, and 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 I would argue it was harder to score in the seventies and eighties because you got today, more yeah. protection. Yeah, no, you no no. A, a striker is a protected species and has been for about twenty twenty five years compared with what. Uh, well, what those lads in, in 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 back in the day had. So, I'm not having this dark arts in the nineties and the noughties. No, no, the dark arts, the dark arts happened. It was go and go and go and watch oh. uh, go and watch a Leeds United game from 1971-72, and then tell me what. Go and watch Leeds United versus Chelsea FA Cup final, and then talk about dark arts. Go and watch any game that Ron Harris played in. <laughs> Any game that Ron Harris played in, Johnny Giles, that lot. And, oh and, dear! Sorry, oh I'm just, I know, I'm just saying that I'm salty about this because because the, the dark arts, it's just bollocks. It's a myth. Oh dear, listener, I appear to have upset Grandpa. Oh. <laughs> it's just a fucking myth. Well, let me put it this way: it was very difficult at that time to get into double. Yes, but not as difficult as in the seventies and fucking sixties. To school well, goals. Me and I were nowhere near there yet. You were, you were in your mid fifties um, by then already. But yes, Batty Stuter was banging in between <laughs> about twenty and thirty goals a year every year. <laughs> Two more names before we move on. All right, go on. That haven't been mentioned. Lewandowski. Hmm. Uh, yes. I mean, Should have been the Ballon d'Or winner this year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he got robbed. Too. Um, we already said it was a. So he'll win it. He'll win it next year as a as a. Sorry, no, they mate. created an award especially yeah, for him. Yeah, they gave I'd, I'd shove that award where the sun don't shine, and I tell him where to shove it. All I will say now, Literally. quickly on the Balloon Dior, is the fact that it is no longer relevant because it used to be, but FIFA have moved away from it and given their own trophy out now. So basically, it's just a magazine in France. Who won that award. one? Who won the FIFA one then this year? I don't know. It hasn't That's been so announced as far as I'm aware. No, it was, it was Lewandowski. Okay, yeah, Lewandowski. Who else? Anyone else? Drogba. No. Yes. Yeah, no, no. Drogba was good. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm afraid he was he's... good, but he's no, not no. in the league of he Lewandowski scored, and that he lot. He scored in every big game he was he was in. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna say Drogba was up there. No, every, not for ev- me. In every major game yep. that he played in, he scored. Yeah, so one titles. That's enough. That's enough for me. Yep. I'm, I'm there. I, a striker that I can chuck in that scores in every big occasion. If I, if you're telling me I can pick a striker and that he needs to perform on a big occasion, it's Drogba. Yeah, yeah, Drogba's going right, to be then. Who, who are you having? We'll move on to pick Ben Shell. If I give you a choice between Alan Shearer, Didier Drogba or Raul, who are you picking? Drogba yeah, I, starts. So I start Drogba because I, I... So the Alan Shearer that I saw is the back end of Alan Shearer's career. I, I start Drogba over Shearer. I start Drogba and I have Raul on the bench because Shearer for me was the 34, 35 year old that was 
I mean, still scoring goals against Charlton, but wasn't the player that I, I, I would I would pick if I if I want a, uh, if I want a player uh, to play in a cup final and score a goal, I want Drogba. I'm taking Raul every day of the week. Uh, I'm taking Drogba. There's a name on my sheet. It's no, Raul. the reason I'm taking Drogba, Drogba is his physical presence as well. He'll yeah, get but he goals. fell over like a pansy and rolled Ooh. around. Yeah, like I've a got three kicks. Who yeah. doesn't? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Sorry, Cristiano yeah, but... Ronaldo. Does he yeah, stay on he... his feet? I've seen him lifted up by Roy Keane and been told me, don't fucking do that here. He still yeah, carries on doing it. Too. He still um, carries on doing it. No, you can't dismiss a player like because he falls over. He yeah. went down like he got shot. It's part of the job. Like it's part shot. of the job. You name me a player that does if it. If was that part of the job, then why did he stop doing it? I, I'm telling you now, if I'm a manager, I tell my players to do that because that's the only way you're going to win. There's not, there's not the a striker in the world there's, that doesn't a, fall a, over when no, someone falls near him. There's a difference between going down Watch under contact... football without blinkers and then come back to me. It's got nothing to do with blinkers. There's a difference between going down under contact and rolling around like you've been hit by a sniper from the roof of the stadium. That's he stopped not, doing it because he got it. so much press and stick for doing yes, it. Yes, and he yeah, did it. Ever, and he did it for to win free kicks and, 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 and yeah, it, it mean, succeeded. And when it stopped, said, when they stopped getting free kicks for it, as you said, he stopped. Clever, I clever. Said, I, I want him I, on my team. If I, if That's I the sort of coach, devious bastard I want. If, if I'm a coach, I'm telling my strikers, you overreact. Because yep. that's how you win free kicks. You don't. Yeah, if, you if, go. if you're honest, if you're honest in a tackle and you, you're not going to get anything. So overreact because you're more likely to get. Anything. I, I don't want you riding a tackle in the box. I want you going down. That's Personally, that's. I, I just, as I said, my reason for Drogba is no matter what you think of his his ability or what he does as a player, you put him on the pitch in a big game, he's going to score. Yeah. So you have him over Romario, the the original I, Ronaldo. I, I, Never watched Romario, so I can't comment. You'd have him over the original Ronaldo, would you? No, that's different. Ronaldo right. is... Well, no, it's not. If you're no, picking a hang on, player... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I never said I'd pick Drogba over everyone. Yeah. But I said... <laughs> but those three you just me, gave us, you go. those three you gave us, Drogba's the first on my sheet. I'd have Drogba in the majority of pe- people. There's not many people I'd had him over him. But if I'm honest with game, you... He would turn up. But if I'm honest with you, I have all that. Like, I, I would... I don't care who you... Say I will pick Gerd Muller till my dying day would be my my striker, be my pick regardless. Gerd Muller, absolutely Gerd Muller. Wasn't the best footballer in the world, but any ball came in the six yard box, it was in the back of the net. Pound okay, so pound. out of Premier League strikers, you mentioned Defoe. So who are you picking, Defoe, Shearer, or Van Nistelrooy? Van Nistelrooy. Van Nistelrooy. Over Shearer. Yeah. The top league goal scorer of all time. Yeah, Again, I can't. My thing with Shearer, as I said, I is preferred I Van der Sturrock. Watch him at the best. I, I watched Shearer, and Shearer was great, but I thought I think Van der was the better. And as, and as you me. said, Ryan, when Pete was away, if Van der stays at United longer, he probably yeah. smashes the record. Yeah, so yeah. I think Van der and 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 it's very rare for me to say about a man United a Man United player, but I just it's just what I see. I would have picked Van der Bench and sell after that. I would pick. I would pick. And, and here you go. I would possibly pick. It's difficult. With uh, so, if you've got Van Nistelrooy and I've got Shearer and Defoe, Shearer would have to be on the bench. Okay, right. Well, we're going to move away just slightly. We're going to stick to pick bench cell, but we always do a club one here. So this one's for the both of you. Fuck it. So you've got a you've got a choice: <laughs> pick bench cell, Clive Mendonca, oh. Darren Bent, oh. or Bradley Wright Phillips. Bye, Bent. Sorry. Bye, Bradley. Sorry. Bye, Bradley. 
That's not right. hard. Uh, who, who are you picking on benching, though? I'm picking Clive Mendonca. I'm the vice versa. And I'm putting Bent on the bench and I'm selling. And I'll tell you why I'm picking Clive Mendonca, because I will point you out that he could get a goal. He's just, He was just lethal in the six-yard box. Unfortunately for, Charles, for, 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 for us, we only had him really for two seasons, really. We had the season we went up and then part of the season after we were up. And then after that, he got injured. Yeah, and really... I think uh, Mendonca in the six, and and, and uh, you 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 look at uh, Mendonca's hat trick at Wembley against Sunderland, and then tell me Darren Bent's going to score any of those goals? It's not happening. Move on. I'm having Bent over Mendonca. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a lovely one. Here we go. <laughs> this one will be for Pete, not for Dan. I, this is before Dan's time. Carl Leeburn, yeah, Kim Grant, <laughs> or Andy Hunt. He plays up front. Oh, Andy, he plays up front. Right. He's got an... Now, right. now, there's a thing. This is this is now. What am I? Am I after goals here? It's entirely your choice. You've just got to pick one, bench one, and sell one. Well, I've got to tell you. So I love Cole Leeburn. Cole Leeburn's scoring record is bollocks, <laughs> and he'll tell you that himself. True. It's true. But then you talk to any player that played in a side along or a side or around Carl Leeburn, and they say who is the best player that you who is the the best player that you played alongside. And nine times out of ten, those players from that era will say Carl Leeburn because of what he did for the team. Uh, now, if you're going to play Carl Leeburn, you need a striker alongside him who's going to get the goals. When he first started, it was Paul Williams who scored loads, uh, but. Of those three strikers, so Leeburn, Andy Hunt, Kim and who Grant. was the other one? Kim Grant. Kim Grant. Kim Grant. Kim Grant's gone. Kim Grant's gone. Yeah, I'm selling Kim Grant, and I'm starting Andy. Beat, I'm. I don't. Know. No, that's that's not enough. Ramadale scored is. against Palace. He's still a cunt. <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, well I'm not. You came out with a quote. I'm afraid I can't stay at Charlton. I'm not playing in the Championship. Well, you didn't play for Charlton in the Premier League. So do one, you Dutch melt, your Danish melt. Kim Grant is uh, is being sold. Lee Bird is on the bench. Andy Hunt plays up front, and his name sounds like a fanny. On that basis, for the song alone, Andy He's Hunt. He's got a name. Like sounds a like a fanny. Oh, Andy Hunt. Andy Hunt was uh, quality. Uh, Lee Bird mm. uh, is on the bench. So quality the Charlton still sing is now. We still and sing that song. Kind of a close to sort of our best of and pick bench self for now. I've picked a very unique one for the both of you. So it encompasses all the players that we've talked about oh. over, overall. Um, but these ones are just for Charlton as your Charlton fans. Yeah. Right. So Fuck. pick bench self, Pete. Are you ready? Go on. Pete. Bye. See you later, mate. Richard Rufus. Oi, oi. Chris Powell oh. or Jan Kermigan? Oh, I think. mate. Don't worry, Dan, I've not left you out. It's all right. You want to answer anyway? That's tough. Because you've got the greatest, one of the best centre backs who never played for England and should have played for England in Richard Rufus. It's not tough. Jan Kermigan it's not hard. is. It's not hard for me. And this is and my explanation is this. Uh, and it's it's for me. This is it. It's it's Yankum again. It's Chris Powell, and it's goodbye. It's, and I'll tell you why, Richard Rufus. And this is purely personal, because to me, as far as I'm concerned, Yankum again in my in my eyes is my most favourite player to ever wear that shirt. Right? Don't look at me like that, Dan. 
I got an email from him saying Happy Christmas last week. So, you know, uh, Jan Kermigan. Jan Kermigan is my favourite child player of all time. I'm unpinning Dan. I'm going to close this video. Uh, Jan Kermigan is my favourite player of child oh, of all time. I'm so done. Chris Powell. Dan, would you like to comment on this <laughs> no, one? No, this is purely on emotion. This is purely on emotion. Right? I'll do it on my. I'll, then I'll do it on reality, all right? Emotion. Jan Kermigan, Chris Powell, pick Jan. Bench pal, sell, sell Rufus. Because I had a good relationship with both Yan and Chris Powell. And to me, they're, I still call Chris Powell gaffer to this day. And Yan is just bromance. I just love the man. There is nothing you could say in any way, shape or form that would uh, would turn me against Yan Kerm again. Nothing in the, the greatest for me. Just, oh, I can't. I can't begin to tell you how much I admire Yan Kermigan as a player. And on your and, and on reality, on reality, the best of those three players is Richard Rufus. Pound for pound, the best uh, best defender I've seen who never played for England. There is another one that played for Charlton that should have played for England. His name's John Humphrey. Pound for pound, the best right back who never played for England. But so now, so I'm putting I'm putting Rufus on uh, as pick. Bench and sell. This is horrible because I love these two. <laughs> this is just—it it fucking so is. Easy. But Chris Powell is on the bench. Right, thank you. I'm not saying anymore. That's all I'm saying. Rufus Powell. Let's leave it. I'm not saying anything more about it because that's a bastard bollocks, horrible one. Move on. Next. Dan, is that your your pick for those as well? I mean, it's easy. You start Rufus, bench pal. Don't say it! Don't say it! And the other one... Don't say that's, it! That's the other thing. You did the other thing with the other one. one. Dan? Fucker. You just got to go pure talent. Don't let emotion get to you. I can't. I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> right, Dan. Chris Powell. <laughs> Darren Bent. Adamola Lookman. Oh. Do that, Raddy. Oh, start bent, start pal. No, start bent, bench pal. Dan's been ruthless there. I know how much you love Adamola Lookman. Again, uh, if you're talking emotionally, then you swap bent and power around. Like Ooh. as players, start bent. I've got one for because ben. Chris Powell, not only as a player as a manager, like for a Chelsea fans, we don't have many things that we <laughs> we can look back in the last twenty years and go, "Yeah, that was good." Chris yeah. Powell's one of them. Okay, Dan. I've got one for you, right? Pick, bench, sell, right? Leon Colt. Chris Perry. And finally, George Costa. Start, start Costa. Yeah. Bench Chris Perry. And sell the king. Because, yes. <laughs> because, because, as I said to you, I can separate talent from emotion. And as much as Leon Court is one of my favourite ever Charlton players, talent-wise, Chris Perry and George Costa are better players than him. There's a reason that Leon Court was in League One, Chris Perry and George Costa are Premier League players. So I'm delighted easy. to say throughout the whole of pick bench shell, I've got away with it because none of you have come up for any for me. So this is beautiful. Because it's <laughs> man, you... Hold on! They're all fucking brilliant. Hold on! 
Hold on just a cotton picky minute there, Ryan. Let's let's not go there. Let's not start saying right, okay. Ryan Cantona, Cantona. Cantona, Rude Van Nistelrooy and Dennis Irwin. What pick bench shell? Yeah. yeah. I start Dennis Irwin. Cantona was on the bench and I saw Rude Van Nistelrooy. That's what I thought he'd pick. That really wasn't difficult. Giggs, Skulls, and no, because Beckham gets sold. Giggs, Skulls, King. <laughs> Giggs, Skulls, Skulls King. King. Skulls starts, Giggs on the bench, sell Roy King. Yep, agreed. See, Ryan could do what <laughs> I can do and take emotion out of it and just pick. Fred <laughs> Kleiberson. <laughs> Eric Jemba Jemba. Eric Jemba Jemba. Oh, dear. Fred starts. <laughs> On the basis he scored a goal recently. <laughs> On the basis that compared to Jemba Jemba and Cleverson, he's odd. <laughs> Cleverson's on the bench and Jemba Jemba can do one. Uh, <laughs> the other one you could swap, you could swap Possibon for Fred and let them go to town. <laughs> no, to be fair, Possibon never got a chance at Man United. Oh, Brock, William Prudier. <laughs> Fabian Bartes. Bartes gets sold. I'd rather have Prunier on my bench than Bartes. <laughs> Lauren a World Cup winner who came to us late in his career. That was an easy pick. Oh, dear. Was that your surprise? Was that your surprise at the end? No, no, no. no, no, no. no oh, we still got that because, yeah, I've, mm-hmm. I've got about a 15-minute window. Uh, Shithousery. Right. Shithousery is really easy this week. I discussed it with Ryan. It's a it's a simple story. Hold on, hold on. There's a, I know it's not football, but there is a cricket shithousery that occurred yeah, you, this you've week. Got fifteen minutes. Bugger off. No, I'm not. We're not. Not. No, carry on, and I'll tell you why I got up to this week. So shithouse this week is is it goes to me because football manager is a thing, and I've basically found the perfect glitch. Uh, basically, football. There's been no football this week because everyone has COVID. So shithouse has, has been hard to find. So. I found a glitch uh, I, on my FM save. I'm currently, well, I was at the time managing Roma. And a, a German player came through. He was playing uh, Stuttgart, I believe it was. And he was worth £10 million, but they wanted 35 So what I did is I offered £5 million and said, I'll give you £30 million when he plays for Germany. Now, those of you who will play football... <laughs> this is shit out of me at the extreme. Those of you who play football <laughs> will know... The Germany is not a licensed team in Football Manager. <laughs> so, yes. Every player that plays for the German national team does not exist, isn't even a regen. It's a completely computer-generated player. Therefore, I will never have to pay the £30 million pounds that, I, that I owe Stuttgart. So for, I have played two seasons on since then, and every year it reminds me that at some point I'm going to have to pay them £30 million. Pounds. And the fact is, I'm just not. So therefore, shit house. Plonker Pundit has been replaced by moron managers. Well, hang week. on, hang on. We haven't finished with shithousery. Come on, I indulged in some non-football shithousery on, uh, a few nights ago. England summoning all their powers to uh, lose in the ashes at, at Melbourne, the MCG. Chino Best, West Indian fast bowler and uh, shit batsman, famous mainly for being sledged by Andrew Flintoff. And the sledge was at Lord's. Flintoff standing at first slip said, uh, Tino, t- he's gone out of the room. Look, he's left it. 
Let's get a drink. Let's carry on. Tino is um is is batting towards the end of the play, and Flintoff has gone mind the windows, Tino. And this is the key phrase: mind the windows, Tino. The next ball comes down. Tino slash smashes it, and I think is out. Cue Freddie Flintoff laughing his head off as they run to celebrate the wicket because he's just done, Tino. Tino got a bit excitable about England losing the Ashes on uh, the other night and posted a comment about England being England being a load, load of old like England were crap, and I just posted back, "We beat your lot, Tino. We beat your lot with the then the hashtag mind the windows, Tino." Now, in fairness to Tino, that you're is wrong. The, we we didn't beat them. I know, I know, but but the, but the hashtag was put there, mind the windows, Tino, as a trigger. Because I knew I was fishing. But you were factually incorrect. Although the tweet I sent him to abuse him with was factually incorrect, the whole sole purpose was to trigger him with the words, mind the windows, Tino. And by God, did he get triggered, didn't he, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I have the screenshots. Because he told you to suck, was it suck your daddy, which I quite enjoyed. Suck your daddy. Yeah, suck your daddy. Your, your cricket team and your football team are all shite, basically. Uh, he lost it completely. He's since deleted everything relating to that tweet. But we've got yeah. them. So that's my shithousery. Dirty shit. Grandpa. Can't but send him anywhere. Yours was factually incorrect, shithousery. It doesn't matter. It's it still does. shithousery. It's factually incorrect. Right. Surprise time. Right. Hold on. Because Plonka Pundit has been replaced by Moron Manager this week. And that goes to one Pep Guardiola. Because there has been a lot of talk about player welfare with COVID and fixture build-up. And he promptly then went and said maybe the players should go on strike because they got to play three games in six days. Have a word with yourself. Sorry, I have to say, I don't give a toss about Christmas fixtures. Boxing Day, I've always found to be a pain in the ass to go into football. That's because you were a steward, though. No, no, it was a pain in the ass when I was a fan. I hated it. I had my worst ever experience at, uh, at the Valley on Boxing Day. 1979, Notts County, tried to lead the game halfway through the second half, couldn't get out of the stadium, got locked in. (laughs) Then when I was working for the club as a commentator, I had to travel to places like Yeovil on Boxing Day. Sorry, I'm not having that. You've heard it here first. Charlton locked their fans in. It's so bad, they make them stay there and watch it. (laughs) 1979. The one thing I do think they should do on, on a side note, I think that the, something that non-league clubs do, and I think that local, league, yeah, you keep, even, I understand it can't be your closest rivals, but I think it should be done locally. So, like, if they're Cholton, for instance, why why make us travel to Yeovil? Yeovil on Boxing Day, we can play Gillingham or Wimbledon or even Ipswich because they're not. Too, it's not too far. When the other year, I think we had Middlesbrough on Boxing Day. I was like, fuck's that? Why? I've had a twelve o'clock kickoff at Middlesbrough. That's bang out of order. I was there right. too. We're running low on time here, so let's get to this quickly. Go on, right, So, as it's the last one of the year, I thought we'd end with a little quiz. So, it's called So You Think You're an Addict because one of Charlton's nicknames is... The Addicts. The, the Addicts. Addict. So, Soft. pun on words there. Right. So, five questions and one tiebreaker. He's on the okay? board. Oh, fucking hell. Right. I've done this quick. Right. Dan? Yes. Since 2010... Yes. How many times have Charlton been promoted as champions? Once. Well done. Pete, how many times since 2010 have they been promoted via the playoffs? Once. 
Well done. Dan? That's great. Yeah. In 2019 <laughs> EFL League playoff final against Sunderland, who scored for Sunderland? Nabby Sarr. Nabby Sarr. <laughs> yeah, Nabby. Technically, technically Nabby Sarr, but I'd, I'd give it to Dylan Phillips because Dylan Phillips touched it last, but that's fine. And Pete, yeah. in the same game, who scored the equaliser for Charlton? Ben oh, Harrington. Oh, well Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's just a little bit of fun. <laughs> right, where are we? Hold on. I missed that goal. Well, I did. Dan, in Charlton's title-winning side of 11-12, who was the top league goal scorer? Oh, come on. Bradley Wright, right, right. Oh, Bradley for right, fuck's right, sake. How Bradley easy is right, that? Right, right. <laughs> oh, my word. He's a beast. He, I love, miss him so much. Pete? Oh, Christ. By the way, can I just put that season, Bradley Wright Phillips got, I think he scored 26 goals. He went on a 13 game. Okay, there was a drought. There was he a drought, yeah. Because I interviewed him about Fucking it. Fucking love him. Yeah. When Ch- Pete, when Charlton returned to the Valley yeah, in their was. first game on December the 5th, 1992, who was the opposition? Portsmouth. Well done. I was there. Colin Walsh. Next question. <laughs> uh, hold on, where are we? <laughs> From a pass by Cal Lieburn. Who play- Dan, who played in goal for the 2019 playoff final? You've already said his name. Dylan Phillips. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Well, I mean, right, where are we? That's all he did for the game. Let one right. in. <laughs> Pete, Charlton were relegated from the Premier League in 2006-07. Yes. How many managers did they have that season? Three. Three. Well done. Can you they name had them? Ian Dowie, Les Reed, Alan Pardew. Move on. Well done. Kill me. Kill me now. Kill me now. <laughs> Kill me now. Dan, Charlton were relegated from the Championship in 08-09. Who oh, was the manager? Uh, uh, 08, 09. Oh. Phil Parkinson. Well done. Yeah. Parkinson started that season of just Yeah, and Parky sent us. Well, Parky, Parky got the job yes. on the back of seven defeats in seven games because he proved himself up working. to the job. Yeah, and Pete, yeah. this this is for your fifth. So it's Dan's answered five correctly. You've got five correctly. So we're going to go to a tiebreaker. But Rich Rufus, if you get this right, we go to a tiebreaker. Richard Rufus scored his first senior goal for Charlton in which game? Playoff final, 1998 against Sunderland, just before the in the second half, a header from a corner. Right. Thank you. Great goal. Right. Man. This is the tiebreaker. So whoever gets this wins. <laughs> right? And the winner gets a big bag of um, which we know what that is. <laughs> so, you ready? Yeah. Yes. First to answer wins. Who is Charlton's all-time top Derek Premier Ailes. League? No, no, let me finish. Yes, yes. Who is Charlton's all-time top Premier League scorer? Premier League or First Division? Premier League. Oh shit! Because <laughs> the all-time Stuart. Darren Bent. Dan, what's your answer? Sean Bartlett. I'm sad to say you're both wrong. Who is it? It Stop is it. actually Jason Yule with 34 oh, goals. No! Darren, Darren Bent got 31. So I win on a countback. No. No. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Technically, you lose on a countback because answer. you shouted out right. the first answer before Fuck I finished. Off. Move on. Derek Cowles isn't even our all-time leading goal scorer. That's Stuart O'Leary. <clears throat> Which, which is what I thought Ryan was going to ask, because who's Charlton's all-time leading goal scorer? And I was getting excited because I was ready to say Stuart O'Leary after you went, Dead House! And sadly, you, got both, you both got it wrong. 
That's it then, boys. So next week, Yoli, Yoli, Yoli was there for a long time. Next week, the in the next, in the next episode, uh, Dan and I trialed something last night. You're, if you go on our WhatsApp, Ryan, Ryan's you'll away. Sat, you have to sit for it, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, something similar. So, I'm going to set a question for you both next at the start of next week's show, and by the end of it, I need an answer. But you can give your answer in between. Uh, during each segment, you can say, oh, by the way, was it so-and-so? Yeah? So it's going to run throughout the episode, and at the end, you've either got it right or you're wrong. And then whoever gets it right then asks the question the following week, and it needs to be the same sort of format. The format I did that I liked last night was I mentioned the list of managers, and I said to Dan, which player was managed by these managers? Right. Can I just say, the only reason he did this is because he got incredibly salty, because <laughs> I asked the chat, what footballer, current midfielder, has scored in every year since 2007 till the modern day in the Premier League? That was horrible. And he guessed. I got, I got, yeah, because you threw Newcastle in there, and that was a, that was a curveball, you, you fuckstick. He, he said James Milner, and I replied, no. He played for Newcastle, but didn't score in 2009. <coughs> then he guessed again, and I said, no. He meant he took that. As in to say, the player played for Newcastle. Well, so I, I went, yeah, I went James rummaging Milner. through. I went rummaging through the Newcastle players that and I knew this, that was still the names he was coming up with. James Tavernier. James Tavernier, who I said current day Premier League, and he went with James Tavernier. <laughs> I was getting desperate. Who was it in the end? I've forgotten. Mark Noble. Danny no, was it Mark Noble? Said, who I'm pretty sure retired. But the one I set him yesterday, the the manager... Hold on. on. The only reason I think he got onto this is because he was very salty. And he's had a very salty episode today. (laughs) (laughs) So last last night I said who was managed by Harry Redknapp, Martin Yole. There was a list of names. Got it. Got it. And we got it because I missed off there's one manager that managed him twice, which was Kirbishly at the start of his career, and then at West Ham. And it was Scott Parker. So what I'm going to set next week is you're going to be looking for a player who's played with or been managed by. That'll be next week. All right. Is How's it Gary Taylor-Fletcher? We haven't started. I haven't even... Don't start. You lose points. Right, that's pretty much it for uh, this episode. I Don't forget, is. go and visit uh, Let Us Talk uh, Mental Health Team there on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, any games coming up yet, Dan? Uh, no, we have a draw on the 3rd of January. We have our cup draw, so that will tell us who our next game and, of course, uh, the Proper Blokes Club as well, uh, helping men by walking, helping their mental health by walking. They're popping up all over the place now. I've been seeing them on Facebook. So go. And also, can you give a follow to Her Game 2 on Twitter? Uh, they do some great work. And come on, Charlton, it's about time you got involved with Her Game 2. Ryan, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a happy new year. Dan, thank you very much. Au revoir. Now, on that sort of note, Toronto, see you later. <laughs>